<laughs> Good morning, I'm Michelle. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, last week we began a series that we are calling Ridiculous, and if you were to uh, uh, watch a video of Ridiculous, you would have seen what just happened. Um, so Ridiculous, if you look this word up in the dictionary, you'll find out that it means deserving or inviting derision or mockery, something that is absurd. And uh, uh, the reason we're talking about this is because the way Jesus has called us to live our lives, right, part of what makes following him so difficult at least at times, is that it doesn't make sense to those who are around us. And so they'll watch things that we do or they'll, they'll, un, they'll get a glimpse into how we think or our attitude and they'll use words uh, like, um, uh, the sin, like laughable or absurd. They'll think that we're comical sometimes, funny, hilarious, silly, ludicrous, senseless, foolish, foolhardy, stupid, half-baked, hair-brained, cockamamie, crackpot, idiotic, preposterous, nonsensical, or outrageous. Hopefully they won't use those words to our face, right? But they may think that about some of the things that we do. Now, to be fair, there are things in life that are ridiculous, other things, point of reference, laws that are still on the book that, uh, that appear laughable or absurd or ludicrous. For instance, in Chicago, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's illegal to eat in a place that is on fire. <laughs> I got to know why it, someone has to tell them that. You know what I'm saying? We don't have that law here in Miamisburg. Okay, uh, so in Minnesota, did you know that in Minnesota, it is illegal to cross state lines with a duck on top of your head? Maybe you saw that in the news this past week, big FBI crackdown, and uh, it was all over, the, <laughs> all over the place. In Massachusetts, uh, you can't have a gorilla in the backseat of your car. So in case you were curious and thinking about going, don't do that. Indiana, uh, in Indiana, you are not, it is illegal to attend a public event or use public transport within four hours of eating onions or garlic. <laughs> Thank you uh, very much. In Paulding, Ohio, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but police are allowed to bite dogs if they think it'll calm the dog down. It'd be awesome to be law enforcement in Paulding. <laughs> oh, if we're going to follow Jesus, listen, if we're going to follow him, and by that I mean not merely sit in this room, not just sing the songs, not just listen to the stories. If we're actually going to follow him, our lives, at least at times, are going to seem a little ludicrous to people. They're going to look at what we do or, or some of the things that we say and think that we're silly or think it's kind of laughable, outrageous, especially those who do not follow him will, will begin to wonder. So today we're, we've been talking, we're, we're talking in this series about what it is that we do. Today we're talking about serving and it's no accident that we're uh, talking about that as we begin our week of love and action. So if this is your first week with us, love and action is the week that we just send a wave of love through service into our community. And so right now at the other end of our building, we have some folks who are doing a food bagging. Uh, and so it happened last hour, it's happening this hour, and we are going to be sending food. 30,000 meals are being bagged uh, today. Uh, this is a picture from last year, and you'll see through this picture and the next picture that all ages can participate. And for those of you who helped last hour, thank you very much for coming and doing that. I just, I love that we get to be a part 
part of that. And maybe you notice the blue buckets at the front of the room. They're up in the balcony as well. That is to, uh, to help collect. If you want to, uh, if you have some change, if you have some loose bills that you want to put there, uh, that's just to help raise the rest of the money. We're about $3,000 short in having the money to, uh, to send the food over. So if you're able to help with that, that is great. We appreciate that. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father that is in heaven. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the story of someone who lived that out. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be. If you have your smart devices, get on the YouVersion uh, Bible app, and you can find those verses there. You, if you go to the events tab, you'll find our notes for this morning there as well. Acts chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 36 to see what that looks like, not only in her life, but can look like in our life today as well. So, Verse 36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Now, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good. She was always helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Now, Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him. And they said, listen, we need your help. Can you come at once? So Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying. They were showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still alive and was still with them. And so Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and he prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter standing there, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her alive to them. And that became known all over town, all over Joppa. And many people, because of that, believed in the Lord. So this all happens in this place called Joppa, which is a port city on the Mediterranean Sea. And if you are a Bible reader, you might know that this story takes place uh, in a town where another Bible story, one from the Old Testament... Uh, took place. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a guy by the name of Jonah, maybe if you've never heard his name, this is the story of the guy who was swallowed by the big fish. Um, happened in the same city. So in Joppa, at least it started in that city. In Joppa, there's a woman whose name is Tabitha. That's her Aramaic name. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Now the thing about Tabitha was that there's, I mean, she was not a flashy person. She, was, she never preached in the temple. She, she never addressed large crowds in the marketplace. You, you don't read about her going down to the Jordan River and baptizing multitudes of people. She wasn't the kind of person you read about in the newspaper or who makes the evening news. She was this behind-the-scenes kind of woman. But there's some things about her that stand out that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her. Here's the first one, because what made her ridiculous can make you ridiculous. And like Tabitha, we are ridiculous when we see a need and we go after it and we meet that need. Matthew tells us, excuse me, Acts tells us, the book of Acts tells us, Tabitha was always doing good and helping the poor. The New Living Translation says it this way, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. So just in those verses, I want, there's two words I want to make sure you catch because the word always literally means to swell up and burst. So literally, Tabitha was swelling up and bursting with good deeds. I want you to notice one other word, and it goes back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, let your, sh your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That word good means more than just good. 
It actually means good and beautiful. That's what Tabitha was doing. She was doing something good and beautiful for the people around her. You know, one of the places I get to serve is at my dad's retirement facility. I usually go visit dad uh, before mealtimes, and when he goes down to the dining room, I take him down there uh, for dinner, and when I've got him settled and in his place, then I'll grab the coffee pots, and I start serving uh, the uh, residents. And while I'm doing that, that gives me the opportunity to talk to them. And at times I get to be goofy uh, with them as well. And it was a long time before they realized I didn't work there. Uh, they thought I was an employee of the place. And, uh, but now when some, it's been interesting to watch them figure out I don't, I don't work there. Uh, because when someone asks now, someone at a table will say something. Someone else at the table will go, that, he doesn't work here. That's Bob Tuttle's son. He's pouring coffee for us. You know, and here's the thing. Just... No one asked me to do that. I actually wasn't even sure I was allowed to do it uh, when I started doing it. I just thought it would be helpful to the kitchen staff because they serve so many people there. I know how to fill glasses. I know how to fill coffee cups. I just thought I would help. And I like that it makes people feel special when I remember that they're regular, not decaf, or decaf, not regular. I like it that they feel special when I remember that they drink tea, not coffee. I like it that they feel special when I remember that they're two sugars or two creamers or two of each. Uh, And, and, you know, I know how to hug people, and they seem to like that too. I like that. That's not... I read a story about a soldier who was wounded during training exercises. He's ordered to go to the military hospital. And when he arrived, it was this large and imposing facility. It had two doors. One of them was marked for the slightly wounded The other was marked for the seriously wounded. So he went through the first door, found himself in this long hallway, went down the hallway, came to two more doors. One of them said for officers. The second door said for enlisted men. So he went through the door for enlisted men, found himself in another long hallway, went all the way down to the end of that hallway, found himself in front of two more doors for highly trained officers, for foot soldiers. So he went through the second door. When he opened it, he found himself back out on the street. When he got home... His, his wife asked him, how did everything go down at the hospital? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, they didn't do a thing for me. But man, were they organized. And uh, listen, the last thing we want MCC to wind up being is a nice service, slick programs, well-oiled machine. But we don't do a thing for anybody. Listen, there's something to be said for the attitude. If there's a need and I see it, I'm going to do something about that. Not, it's not my job. Not, I don't think that's my spiritual gift. Not, not, it's just, I see something that needs to be done, so I'm going to do something about it. When Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he wrote, so then as often as we have the chance, we should do good to everyone, especially to those who belong to our family in the faith, to everyone. By the way, do you know who everyone includes? Everyone includes everyone. As a matter of fact, there isn't anyone who isn't included in everyone. Everyone is everyone. So this is part of what makes us ridiculous. Listen, it's not ridiculous that we serve. Non-Jesus followers serve all the time. That does not set us apart. What sets us apart is that this may put us in a situation where we're serving someone who is diametrically opposed to us and what we believe or our behaviors. But doesn't that sound like something Jesus would do? Serve people who are diametrically opposed to him? You don't have to be uniquely equipped by God to help people who are hurting. You just need to look at people the way Jesus did when he was here and the way he does today. I like this on your notes. Actor Peter Ustinoff put it this way. Charity is more common than compassion. Charity is tax deductible. Compassion 
is time-consuming, but it's something we're supposed to encourage each other to do. In Hebrews 10, the 10th chapter of Hebrews, matter of fact, we don't have this verse up there, but chapter tw- or verse 23 says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And then verse 24 tells us why. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is what we're supposed to be doing when we get together. We encourage each other to find ways to serve, which is why, by, why, by the way, our Love in Action Week, I hope you'll jump in on it because this week, beginning tonight, for instance, there's a run for God. Uh, one of our groups starts at 5 o'clock tonight. It's a 5K. And uh, if you want to go down and encourage them, that would be awesome. To get, you can help give them water. You can just be an encouragement to them at the beginning or the end of the race. That'd be incredible. Uh, this week, we'll be working with Bog to distribute food in West Carrollton. And, and we don't even get to distribute the food. What we get to do is way better. The kids who come with the families that are getting food, we get to play with them. And so I hope you'll sign up for that. Helping Hands this Wednesday. Uh, if you're there at 1130, we're going to be helping them to unload the truck from the Dayton Food Bank. Wednesday night is Trunk or Treat here at our building. And listen, it's not really a competition. I just want you to know, though, Sandy and my, our trunk is going to win. Uh, so uh, you just go ahead and bring your candy and, and give that out. But we, ours will be better. Uh, so but I hope you'll be here for that. Um, Sycamore Glen Retirement Facility, you, you can help serve meals, kind of like what I do where my dad lives. You can help do that there this Thursday. Phil of Grace Farm is something that goes on all the time. We provide fresh food for our community. Uh, through One Bistro, through Helping Hands, through Bog, and we're wrapping that up so you can help us wrap the farm up this, uh, this week. Or you can go to our website and you find all of these things, and you can sign up through our website to be a part of these. I hope that you will do that. We are called to meet needs, and there are any number of ways that we can do that. It may not be, fl- it may not be flashy, it may not be glamorous, and quite frankly, it may not be your spiritual gift. Sometimes we just do things because they need done. And I just want to remind you that every now and then, God's answer to someone's prayer is you. Someone is praying because they need help. And God's answer is going to be you if you'll say yes to their need when you see it. She was bursting with good, uh, doing good and helping the poor. So here's the second thing on your notes. Like Tabitha, I'm ridiculous when I find my gift and use it. Sometimes we think that the only way we can make a real difference in the world is by doing something big and outrageous. If only I had her voice. If only I could sing like him. Oh, I could really make a difference. If only I could command an audience like them. If only I could act. If I could be an actor on a stage. If I could be on a TV show. If I could be in a movie. I would have such influence. I think it would be fair to say that this may have been the only time in Tabitha's life that she actually drew a crowd. She was a seamstress. People don't gather around to watch people sew. Right? Verse 39 says, all the widows stood around him, that's Peter, crying, showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And I don't know if you can picture this or not. These women coming up to the apostle Peter and weeping over these garments, saying, Peter, look, she made this robe for me when my fingers were too old and stiff to sew for myself. And another woman coming up saying, look, Tabitha quilted this baby blanket for me. All seven of my children have slept on this blanket. And Peter, when my husband died, she, she made this scarf that I could wear around my neck that would keep me warm on cool winter nights. And as each woman, woman held up an article, the tears would flow with the memories 
of what she had made for them. These items that had been stitched with Tabitha's skill and patience and love. Sometimes serving is what we do just because there's a need. Tabitha was always doing good. She was always helping the poor. But sometimes we serve strategically, working in our area of giftedness, doing something that's fulfilling or gratifying, meaningful to the body of Christ. Tabitha sewed in order to serve. You know, someone who is an artist painted their bathroom floor. So you're about to see a picture of their bathroom floor. Imagine if you can, you're on the 10th floor of a high rise apartment. You have to go to the restroom while you're at this party and you walk in and you see this. So this is where the floor is supposed to be. (laughs) Can you imagine? How nervous would you be sitting here looking at that? You know what I'm talking about? Evidently not as nervous as I would have been. All right. Okay. So at any rate. Did you know that scientists uh, have shown that our DNA molecules can unite in an almost infinite number of ways? The number is 10 to the 2 billion 400 millionth power. That's the likelihood you'll ever meet anybody who's exactly like you. And if you were to write that number down and each zero was one inch wide, it would take a piece of paper 37,000 miles long to write down that number. We are unique in what we are able to do in the way God has wired us to do it. And God has hardwired you to fill specific voids in his kingdom. And if you don't do your part, it quite likely isn't going to get done. Maybe that's why Peter would write later in the New Testament, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. And part of that happens here. You see people here serving others. But you need to know there are people you will never see. They're serving. You just never see what they do because they do it behind the scenes. That's how the church is supposed to work. The church is supposed to be led by people with leadership skills and taught by people with teaching skills and nurtured by people with hospitality and organized by people with administrative skills. And the deal is, if you don't do your part, something isn't going to get done. John Weatherly said, any useful ability may become a gift of the Holy Spirit when a Christian uses that ability to serve the body of Christ and spread the gospel of Christ. Any useful ability... Any useful ability can be your spiritual gift if you're willing to use it for a spiritual purpose. If you're an artist or a painter or a plumber or if you're good at gardening or writing or cooking or maybe you like cleaning things that are dirty or you like fixing things that are broken, God can take that ability and use it for his kingdom. Now, there's a pastor out in California, Rick Warren, who reminds us there's a side benefit of this serving, by the way. He tells folks who are new members of his congregation, if you don't get plugged in somewhere, we'll be surprised if you're still here in two years. You see, a lot of people wander into a church, become Jesus followers, and then wander out not too long after that because we haven't effectively tied them into the kingdom cause and what we're doing. Now, here's the thing. I can't make you get involved. I can't force you to do that. But if you don't, Can I tell you that you'll never have the kind of stability that God has intended for you to experience in his kingdom? You know, maybe the next step for you is to join us on a short-term mission trip, even away from this place. We have, I know we have one trip planned to Haiti next February. And so maybe for you, uh, it's about being part of something like that outside of the borders, not just of our building, but of our country as well. All right, there's one more thing I want to make sure you see about Tabitha. I'm ridiculous when people see Jesus because of me. So check these out again. Verse 41, he took her by the hand, he helped her to her feet, and then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. 
And this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So Tabitha's life became a tablet, and God was writing a love letter through her to her world, through her life and her death. And it all started with how she served and why she served. Look back again at what Jesus said. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your, who? Your father. It's not so they can see you. It's so they can see God through you. See, listen, serving others is not ridiculous. Again, it happens every day. What makes us ridiculous is why we serve people. Why is it this month that we're focusing on hunger? Is it because that Dayton is the fourth largest city in the United States when it comes to hunger? Why are we sending food to Haiti? Why are we bagging that today? Is it just because Irma came through and they're still trying to recover? Listen, we serve others, some that we don't know. And some whose lifestyles we disagree with. And some who would say to our face, there is no Jesus. There is no God. We do that so through our love, they just might catch a glimpse of him. They might just get a look at him. Dr. Jeffrey Collins said it had been a long and trying week at our Love in Action office. It was 5 o'clock on a Friday, and I was looking forward to a quiet dinner with some friends that night, and the phone rang. He said, I picked it up. And I heard a quivering voice say, Jeff, it's Jimmy. Jimmy uh, suffered from several AIDS-related illnesses and was one of the regular clients. He said, I'm really sick, Jeff. I've got a fever. Please help me. Jeff said, I was angry. (laughs) I'd already worked 60 hours, and I didn't want to hear about Jimmy. But I promised that I would be right over. He said, still during that drive over? I complained to God the whole way there. I did not want to be doing this. I did not want to see him today. I didn't want the inconvenience. He said, the moment I walked in the door, I could smell the vomit. Jimmy was on the sofa. He was shivering. He was in distress. I wiped his forehead, and I grabbed a bucket and began to clean up the mess. He said, I managed to maintain this facade of concern, even though on the inside, I was raging. I was so angry that I had to be there. Jimmy's friend, Russ, also had AIDS, and he started to come down the stairs, and the odor hit him and made him sick, too. So as I cleaned the carpet around Russ's chair, he said, man, I was ready to just explode. And that's when Russ startled me. He said, I, under- I get it. I, find- I understand. And Jimmy said, what do you understand, Russ? He said, I understand who Jesus is. <laughs> Jesus is just like Jeff. Jesus is just like Jeff. And he said, I wept with him, and I hugged him, and I prayed with him. And that night, he trusted Jesus as his Savior. That's why we serve people, even when it makes us mad, even when it's inconvenient, so that they can see Jesus. Even though other people may think that's ridiculous, 1 Timothy 5 says, in the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. It's so simple. Even an 11-year-old figured it out. Summer Waters, when she was 11 years old, wrote this poem. She said, I saw Jesus last week. He was wearing blue jeans and an old shirt. He was up at the church building, and he was working hard. He was all by himself, and for just a minute, he looked like one of our members. But it was Jesus, I could tell by his smile. 
I saw Jesus last Sunday. He was teaching a Bible class. He didn't talk real loud or use long words, but you could tell he believed what he said. And for just a minute, he looked like my Bible teacher, but it was Jesus. I could tell by his loving voice. I saw Jesus yesterday. He was at the hospital visiting a friend who was sick. They prayed together quietly, and for just a minute, he looked like one of our church leaders, but it was Jesus. I could tell because there was a tear running down his cheek. I saw Jesus this morning. He was, he was in my kitchen making my breakfast and fixing me a special lunch, and for just a minute, he looked just like my mom, but it was Jesus. I could feel the love that was in his heart. She said, I see Jesus everywhere, taking food to the sick, welcoming others to his home, being friendly to a newcomer. And for just a minute, I think he's someone I know. But it's always Jesus. I can tell by the way he serves. What will change the world this week is the hand you hold, the call you make, the lesson you teach, and the time you take. An 11-year-old wrote, you will change the world because you're willing to risk everything you have and everything that you are by serving in places that some would never dream of and touching people that others wouldn't teach with a 10-foot pole just so others can see Jesus. That's why we do what we do. So we come to this time of communion. And this very same Jesus who died for you and me calls us to help other people who don't even know him so that they might catch a glimpse of him just by the way we love them and the way we serve them. And the cross, as we come to this time of communion, the cross reminds us of the length that he would go to. The emblems we hold in our hand, the bread that reminds us of his broken body, the juice that reminds us of his blood, they call to us to remind us that just as we have been loved by God, so we are to go and love others in his name. And so during this time, we recommit ourselves. Each week when we take communion, we get to recommit ourselves to Jesus and to his kingdom. And today, we get to remind ourselves and recommit ourselves to be the people that will serve others so they can get a look at Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you for the chance to be reminded of who we belong to and what you're like so that we could be like that too. God, may these emblems remind us of the price that was paid for our lives, how you gave yourself for us, and now you call us to give ourselves for others. God, thank you that we get to help people see you. May this moment that we have, God, may we give ourselves back to you and to your kingdom and to your cause. And we pray this in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. Amen.